Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says podcast on Wednesday, May 4th of 2022. I am Paul Galant and this podcast is available live exclusively on Twitch with live video color. You can also listen to the podcast wherever you get them. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you want, it's there, I think. I don't know all the podcast apps. If you're using some weird one, sucks to be you. Anyway, what do we got to dive into on today's show? The Seattle Mariners, my lovers, part of my open baseball relationship, are getting swept by my also Houston Astros. They're down 7-2 right now in the top of the ninth inning. They have at least scored in this series. Uh, the Astros have done a really good job pitching against them. Also, um, I saw this on the internet today in our show prep email that we have with me and Vanessa and Sean Mapes for Vanessa and Gallant. Uh, Vanessa knows how to get under my skin and said, Paul, I, you must have loved this appearance by Russell Wilson on Good Morning Football. A tweet from uh, Will Selva TV, who is someone who works for the NFL Network. Russell Wilson on now playing in the tough AFC West. You wouldn't want it any other way. It's about the work. You have to battle against the best of the best. I've always played in a tough division. It's going to be an amazing journey. And if it's not an amazing journey, he didn't write this, he didn't say this, he should have. But if it's not an amazing journey, then just force a journey somewhere else. All right. I think most of the Seattle listening audience is sufficiently triggered. Did you know that on May 4th, Star Wars culture has essentially hijacked the day for their own use? And as a Star Wars nerd, I'm going to do that for a bit right here on this show. Paul, you nerd. Eh, look, if you've watched the movies, the TV shows, great. If you haven't, I won't hold it against you unless you think that it is for nerds. Then I'll call you an uncultured slob, and then we will go back and forth. You got to take the high road. Oh, look at me. I'm not a nerd. I never saw Star Wars. No, you were uncultured and it didn't see a global phenomenon when you were growing up. Or maybe you weren't allowed to watch it by our uncultured parents who never showed you any of the historic works of art that cinema and television have created for us over all of these years. But guess what? On this May the 4th, which is, I guess, Mike Tyson saying May 4th, and also sounds like saying, may the force be with you, all that stuff. We got a new trailer for the Obi-Wan television show that is of soon coming to Disney+. And since this show is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galan says, let's take a gander. I have not seen this yet. We will be blind watching it. I will try to describe it as best I can for our listening audience. And away we go. Okay, there's a spaceship. It's flying somewhere. Looks like this is Mos Eisley or somewhere on Tatooine. They're coming. Obi-Wan narrating the commercial says they're coming. There's a bunch of stormtroopers marching through what looks to be a busy street. Maybe this is Coruscant? The capital of the Galactic Empire and the capital of the Republic. Then uh, now all of a sudden we're, I think, on Tatooine 
And there's this Imperial ship that's landed. There's this guy that looks like Darth Vader without his mask on. He's got like this, uh, he's, he's super white. Kind of looks like those guys from the Prometheus movie. And he's got two henchmen to his, uh, one to his right and one to his left. And they're dramatically walking through a town. Stay hidden. Stay hidden. I'm guessing these guys. Or we will not survive. Look at this fucking guy's head. Anyway, let's continue. Survive. Obi-Wan's creeping on Luke Skywalker from the desert. He's looking he's looking pretty spry considering he's a desert hermit. Uh, Luke's on top of uh, the whatever the desert hut, the desert wigwam that his aunt and uncle have. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. Damn. Okay, so Obi-Wan is talking to his uncle there, Uncle Owen, and just got roasted for failing to train Luke Skywalker's dad. You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Okay. Some, some probes just got shot out into the into the universe. In the wrong places. The six part event is what this trailer is saying. To squeeze him. You can't win, Obi Wan. That rhymes. Oh, look! It's the guy from Silicon Valley, and that was in the Eternals movie, and was the only funny part of that movie. How about that? That's nice. You can't escape him! Oh, sh... That's Darth Vader! Okay, so that's it? Well... That'll be fun. And when's it coming out? Says on... Oh, holy shit. It starts May 27th. All right. It's right around the corner. Well, that's neat. How about that? Hey, Paul, are you going to really talk more about Star Wars on this episode of the Galant Says podcast? Hell fucking yeah, I am. A question that I have for you. Who is your least favorite Star Wars character? Because it can't be anyone other than this guy. There's this YouTube video that I stumbled across a couple of years ago. And I think it does a perfect summary of easily the worst character in the Star Wars universe. And he's played by an actor who you would think would make this character so much more badass. Sadly, he isn't able to pull it off. I am, of course, talking about Qui-Gon Jinn, famously played by Liam Neeson. Anyone ever see this video? It's pretty damn awesome. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. Credits will do fine. No, they won't. Credits will do fine. No, they won't. The video is titled Qui-Gon Jinn, Worst Jedi Ever. <laughs> and honestly, he is pretty shitty, right? I mean, what does he really do? Other than say like, hey, 
hey, Obi-Wan, when he dies, I'm going to become part of the force and appear to you in visions, man. So you'll be able to talk with the dead through the force. Woohoo! Like he, he provides no value over the course of episode one, which is a, not a great movie. Instant Karma 206 says Jaja <laughs> Binks is the worst character. Well, unless you accept the theory, which is clearly a crazy person theory, tinfoil hat theory, that Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. He's extremely ac- acrobatic, athletic. He does help bring the Republic down. I feel like you could make that argument. Uh, the other character that I think sucks in Star Wars is Boba Fett. And the only redeeming scene that he has had is when he killed a ton of people in one of the episodes of The Mandalorian, the TV show that was on Disney Plus starring Pedro Pascal and the little uh, baby Yoda. In that you saw what Boba Fett could theoretically be. But Boba Fett's always been this cool costumed action figure uh, uh, marketing tool that got eaten by a giant fucking asshole in the sand. Like, that's what happened. My bad. It's a mouth. The Sarlacc. So he got eaten by a hole in the sand in Return of the Jedi He doesn't kill anybody in Return of the Jedi. He gets basically taken out by blind Han Solo. And then you have the Book of Boba Fett. You're thinking to yourself, okay, well, Boba's going to be back to his morally ambiguous, badass ways. Instead, he he turns into this softy. I will rule as a mobster with respect. What? Fuck that. It's just a lame character. And... I, I think that the book of Boba Fett was actually a little disappointing. The action sequences weren't very good, especially in comparison to the Mandalorian. And when the Mandalorian guy came back onto the show, he sort of stole the show again. So Mandalorian, it's better. It's 100% better. Anyway, uh, what else do we have? As far as Star Wars content. Oh, I'm not done. Who is your non-traditional favorite Star Wars character. Well, my favorite guy, first of all, is Emperor Palpatine, because that's the only guy that's been in just about every single Star Wars movie. The original Emperor ultimately ended up being in later movies, Senator Palpatine, and then the Emperor again. I gotta say, fantastic job casting. There are so many one-liners that he has that are just incredible. As simple as, good. Everything is proceeding as I had foreseen. And a bunch of other shit. And I love them. My other favorite? Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles is, for those who don't know, on the first Death Star run. He's the guy that is the only survivor other than Luke. His his engine gets shot and Luke's like, all right, bye. And Wedge leaves Luke essentially on his own to kill the Death Star. But he makes up for it in Return of the Jedi because he helps blow up Death Star number two. That guy's a badass. Underrated. Paul, you got to be done with the Star Wars content by this point. Jesus, move on. Instant Karma 206 says Lando. Yeah, Lando qualifies. Lando is pretty sick. The Han Solo movie wasn't good, so it's hard for me to, even with Donald Glover playing him, still feel the same way, I guess, about Lando. But it was pretty hilarious to see in uh, the last Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, Lando just shows up. At like a, a rave <laughs> and, and he ends up like 
hooking up with some with someone in the Rebel Alliance at the very end of the movie. Like it's very clear. Not Finn, but Lando's gonna get laid after uh defeating the Emperor once again. And I actually ranked all the movies and TV shows. So dead last, Rise of Skywalker. It was fucking dreadful. It really was. I I don't think it has any redeeming qualities. It just was all over the place. I thought it was lame the way that they forced a clone of the Emperor back into the into into the fold. Uh, all of the magically created Star Destroyers that appeared, lame. Oh wow, we need to put a call out to the galaxy for a bunch of like rebel ships to come save the day. It was a bunch of Star Destroyers. They were all going to get absolutely smoked, but somehow they end up winning. I I thought the whole thing was lame. Like Ray kisses. Uh, Kylo Ren at the end it just it just sucked it was a terrible way to wrap up what was a pretty disappointing sequel trilogy uh Phantom Menace that's a kid's movie I watched it as a kid I didn't hate it as much as I saw it uh, when I saw it as a kid but it does not hold up well uh in 11th place Han Solo such a mess why is there a giant octopus in the middle of the galaxy why is Darth Maul being introduced at the very end of the movie why is Daenerys Targaryen uh, a, a, a love interest of Han Solo? Oh, she just vanishes all of a sudden. It, it just was jumpy and it, I don't know. You could have done a better job with a backstory for Han Solo. Uh, in 10th place, Attack of the Clones. There are some endearingly funny mo- moments in that one. I, I really enjoy every single scene where Anakin's trying to woo uh, Padme slash Queen Amidala. Every single scene is fantastic. I love it. Um, <laughs> I hate sand. It's coarse. Nice line, bro. Um, ninth place. The Last Jedi. There were some parts where I didn't really like, like the... Uh, Leia unconsciously flying through space using the force, but some of the action sequences in that movie, specifically when this, when the star destroyer goes through the other star destroyer or the, uh, the, the rebel ship goes through the star destroyer using, uh, light speed. That was pretty sick. In addition to the throne room battle where those dudes in the red armor were fighting against Ray and Kylo Ren, uh, eight book of Boba Fett. I thought Boba Fett's lame-o, uh, Seventh, The Force Awakens. It, it, it was good until I realized it's basically just a reboot of the first Star Wars movie ever. Six, Revenge of the Sith. I like Revenge of the Sith. Execute Order 66. But it's not Return of the Jedi, which I have in fifth place. Fourth, I have Rogue One. I thought Rogue One is the best new Star Wars movie that has been released. I, I think not being tied down to all of the original characters gave it a little bit of a life of its own. Uh, number three, I have The Mandalorian, the TV show. It's awesome. It's really good if you haven't seen it already. Two, A New Hope. One, Empire Strikes Back. All right, guys, I am sorry. I have gone too long talking about not sports. Let's shift over to talking about a topic that I've always gotten a kick out of during my time in Houston. We would regularly have, I would say once a month, a texter or a caller who would look at the Texans organization who takes a great deal of pride in employing stand-up individuals and staying away from anybody with character issues. And I got to say, like, I can't think of any guy who was a complete asshole off the field that the Texans have employed, at least off the top of my head. 
But there was always this idea that, well, the Texans have too many choir boys, which is a funny saying, isn't it? And that this was somehow a detriment to them. They have too many Jack Easterbys. But where are the guys who are going to do the things that need to be done? As if some guy who has a criminal track record off the field is going to be good for you. Someone who's potentially less available for you on a regular basis. My take on the idea of bringing in a guy who's best case scenario crazy of not just a bad dude. I think players with poor judgment off the field will have poor judgment on it. And I point to somebody like Vontez Perfect. Unless they are superhuman level talented like Lawrence Taylor was back in the day with the New York Giants, they can be just as much a detriment to you in big time spots. Because clearly, they don't think things through. Oh, that's great to have someone who's instinctual. But I think the idea that a lot of these textures and callers would have back in the day on Houston Sports Radio was that someone like this means that the Texans will be meaner and nastier. And I, I, I don't necessarily buy the, the correlation on that one. They need anyway, to tough. I want to play a clip of audio from the NFL draft broadcast on ESPN radio. And it is courtesy of one Bart Scott, who I'm not sure who his co-hosts were on this show, but this is just a hilarious soundbite from a guy who is known for sound bites. You have to be able to get some tough guys and everybody can't be choir boys. You know, you know, when I was with the Ravens, we had to make sure that we had at least two people on the team with a couple felonies just to make sure our street cred was right. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, we made sure we had a couple of guys with felonies just to make sure our street cred was right. That seems rather simplistic. Do you think Ozzie Newsom was like, all right, look, talented players, that's fine. But I got to find a couple of guys who have, I don't know, killed someone, assaulted someone, participated in insurance fraud to make sure that I really have the edge on the opposition. When we had to go into these back alleys and pass some of these dog fights, sometimes you got to have some people that's not no choir boys. That's why you have a strong locker room to hold them in check. Yeah, but I mean, you got to be careful we, with the felonies. Isn't that hilarious? Let's play that little part one more time. On the choir boys, that's why you have a strong locker room to hold them in check. Yeah, but I mean, you gotta we got to be careful we, with the felony. I, I said this. Yeah, you got to be careful with the felony part. Thank you for your insight, uncomfortable ESPN radio host. Some of these people can't roll with it, and I will admit that if you're in a situation where there's an ex-player with you and the guy's just going off on a tangent that clearly is crazy, you do feel obligated to step in and say something. I hope Bart's being somewhat sarcastic here. I don't get the sense that he was. Whatever the case, I am reveling in this person feeling as uncomfortable as they do. Anyway, let's continue the clip. Listen, we had, listen, they, the funniest sign I've ever seen in my life was 52 plus 31 equals 10 to 20. It was Ray Lewis plus Jamal Lewis <laughs> equals 10 to 20 in prison. So they, Jesus. You got to have some guys with uh, Terrell Suggs be the dude with a, with a, with a stop sign. I kind of want just to pause here and to talk about the time that Terrell Suggs be the dude with a stop sign. And there was also another story where Terrell Suggs and I, I believe the, the mother of his child 
got into an altercation where he poured bleach all over her. Kind of fucked up. Anyway. Coming out of Arizona State, you know what I mean? You got to have a couple guys like that. We can clean them up. We can get them counseling. But you got to have a couple goons, and you definitely got to have some goo goblins. And you got to get a couple. Oh, boy. I love how she just says, oh, boy, and then tries to move on. But you let it breathe. But this is what you expect when you got someone like Bart Scott, who is infamous for during perhaps the, the worst experience of my life watching a sports game, gave one of the all-time great monologue interviews that we have seen after a playoff game. And I'll give him credit for this, even though it happened while he was with the New York Jets. And by the way, pause for a second. How awesome are the Jets' old uniforms? Why do they go away from them? Bart Scott flying around like a jet. To all the non-believers. How did that? To all the non-believers. Especially you, Tom Jackson. Way to have our back, Keyshawn. Anybody can be beat. So how did that just feel? Feel great. Poetic justice. We know we were a much better team than we came up and represented ourselves. And we were, we were pissed off. We was ready to come back and show what kind of defense, what type of team this was, what kind of character we had. We take a lot of slack. People gave us no chance. Like, we barely made it in the playoffs. We're a good football team. It looks like this team played with anger all day. Why, Bart? For all you non-believers, disrespect us, talk crap about the defense, like we're the third best defense in the league. All we hear is about their defense. I love that. Don't you love it when you when a player takes an issue with being like the third best ranked defense in the NFL? I, I remember Rodney Harrison with the New England Patriots would regularly say, like, yeah, yeah, no one believed in us. They won like 21 games in a row at one point. Nobody believed in us, though. And they repeated as Super Bowl champions, but nobody believed in us. Whatever gets you motivated, you know? They can't stop a nosebleed, 25th in the league, and we didn't want to get disrespected. Congratulations. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Back to you. Incredible. And Sal Powell was getting a kick out of that because Sal Powell, noted Philadelphia Eagles fan, is someone who does not like the New England Patriots. Anyway, he's from Philadelphia. I'm sorry. He's a journalist that works for ESPN. He has no fanhood in him. Not one fiber of that is a part of his being. So you remember Bart Scott for that, right? Well, you, you should you should remember Bart Scott for this because this is even better. This was from this past season on ESPN. Again, who continues to put him out here. And everyone gets so uncomfortable when he brings up actually a rather astute point. Let's take a look at this on, um, I believe, NFL Live. Over the last 15 years, he's the second worst completion c percentage in the NFL in freezing temps. He's talking about Josh yeah, Allen. He the cold. He doesn't play well. And he says the reason is because he's got bad circulation, so his toes get cold. And as you know, with your can feet... I, can I get you a suggestion for him? You want me Josh to Allen listening? Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. That'll fit that circulation going right. I, I don't so, know how to move uh, off of that. I don't have any medical background. <laughs> I don't know how to move off of that. I don't have any medical background. I can't. I don't really have a, a response to that. But you, you played, so the, you must know of, something. I, a lot of us take Viagra. 
right? Because Viagra opens up the blood vessels. A lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean a lot? A lot of NFL players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets the circulation to the feet. Okay. Uh, so, these statements have not okay. been uh, evaluated. By I was going to go Buffalo, like just go wings, extra hot, but but you know you seem to. I don't know. Have I a swear, better I swear what I'm were not, we talking about? The, 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 I swear I'm not the thing to be is, funny. he's going to just—he, I don't think he's going to necessarily be taking Viagra. From what I could tell through the conversation, he didn't share that with me. But he did say he's going to be standing next to heaters when the defense is out to keep those toes. He'll be hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either, either way, you know the Patriots are going to try to take advantage of the fact that he, he doesn't have success in the cold. Louis Riddick, can you get us back to something like uh, reality here? What, what impact does the cold have on a game like this? Yeah. You know, I, I feel bad for Bart Scott in this spot because that, for a lot of people who weighed in on Twitter, ex-players, that, that actually is an astute point. Smart observation. That's how you warm yourself up. So anyway, Bart Scott. <laughs> Guys entertaining, that's for damn short. I respect entertaining in this business, which could get so fucking boring. Some of the people that are on and say absolutely nothing. Bart Scott says stuff. I, I, I would like to think he's joking at least with the felonies, though, and employing felonies. <laughs> anyway, all right, I, I got a question. What's what's dirty in the NBA? This, this took place last night in, in um, the game between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. Their series, second round series now tied at, at two games apiece. And uh, the replay from TNT, we're going to show it right now. Let me turn off the volume. But anyway, um, you have Gary Payton the second slashing through the lane. Looks like he's got a breakaway layup, right? He's six foot three, 195 pounds. And... Dylan Brooks for the Grizzlies just comes flying out of nowhere. Look how fast he bears down on him. Big guy comes up, swats at the ball, misses, and his upper arm smacks Gary Payton in the head. Gary Payton ultimately ends up falling to the court, and if I'm not mistaken, he broke his elbow. Landed on it pretty hard. Ooh, and he definitely broke his wrist too. Yikes, that was pretty gruesome. And after the game... Steve Kerr took issue with what took place. Steve Kerr thought to himself, this, this is a dirty play. In fact, he took issue with it in the midst of the game during a sideline interview that he did with the TNT broadcast. And I can get a coach defending his player to the degree Kerr did. Coach, when you said earlier today that you expected tonight to be the most physical game you played all year, is what we saw in the first quarter what you had in mind? No, that wasn't physical. That was dirty. When, when you don't know what Draymond's status is the rest of the way, what do you ask of your front court to step up? No, we just, uh, you got to play. So he moves on. He says, all right, that was a dirty moment. He doesn't go any further than that. But he wasn't done. And after the game, he, he, he went a little bit further, saying that Dylan Brooks broke a code. Here is Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors again. I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it, it was dirty. And, um, <clears throat> you know, playoff basketball is going to, it's supposed to be physical. You know, everybody's going to compete. Everybody's going to fight for everything. But there's a code in this league. There's a code that players follow um, where you, you never put a guy's season slash career in jeopardy. 
And let's pause for a second, because I that's that's what I take issue with here. Do you think that a guy who is trying to chase down a person who seems to have a wide open layup is that trying to hurt his career? No player is thinking about that in the moment. You're not. It's the playoffs. You're trying to stop somebody from scoring by any means necessary. And maybe this is the football guy in me that thinks that basketball players and basketball folks are a little soft when it comes to contact that takes place between athletes. But if you can stop a guy from getting a basket, stop the guy from getting a basket. One basket could be the difference down the stretch in a game where it was tied with about a minute and a half to go. And by the way, Memphis actually won the game. I'm not saying injure somebody to take him out of the actual series or something like that. But if you're six foot seven and 225 pounds and have the acceleration that Brooks does, why not try to swat that ball on a chase down block? He should just stop running. Now, he missed, and I think you could make an argument that the actual clubbing itself, the way that it went down, was dirty. But I don't think it was completely intentional. I don't think it was completely malicious. You should have players on the Warriors getting up in Dylan Brooks' face immediately afterwards and and and, and standing up for their guy. And if I am not mistaken, I, I don't know if that actually happened there, but... I don't have a problem with somebody going all out to stop a person who seems to have a wide open lane to the basket. And I don't know, there's just something about basketball, whether you're playing a pickup game or you're, you're, you're watching it where they just tend to be soft in a lot of situations and breaking a code. I don't know, man. I, I, I think Steve Kerr is going a little too far. Instant Karma 206 says this series is heating up payback. Yeah, I think there will be some sort of payback. And I, I mean, you saw also at the end of the game, John Moran, who had like 40 plus points, was saying, hey, let's have some fun to Steph Curry on the way out. But it was in a trash talky way. I'm, I'm excited for the next game. That's for sure. It's been it's been good. Memphis, you got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, they, they John Morant has really turned that thing around. All right. What else do we have here? Um, did anyone see this? Here, here I was driving into work, and I got a push notification. I'm like, wait a second. Why, why am I getting a push notification? And the push notification came from one of the websites that I'm subscribed to. It was like breaking news. Dave Chappelle assaulted at stand-up event. I was like, wait a second. What the fuck? So I figured we wouldn't be able to get any actual video of this because... Dave Chappelle doesn't allow people to bring cell phones into his events. And I think that there's something where they, they you're supposed to put it in some sort of a bag that you're not allowed to open until the end of the actual uh, event itself. But here we have uh, Dave Chappelle being rushed on stage by some random person in the audience. And it looked like this. This is the only angle we have, apparently. It's a pretty shitty attempt at a tackle, and, and I can say this is, you know, the third leading tackler for the Shorecrest Preparatory uh, School Chargers. Um, he, I mean, you got to wrap up with your arm here, and he goes all shoulder, just completely misses. Chappelle does a nice little uh, spin to the right. By the way, mid, I'm assuming, act to, to, to dive away from it. It's, it's impressive, you know, good good spin move, good, uh, good availability, uh, excuse me, good evasiveness by Chappelle there. And uh, there's there's another angle of it from here. And you can see, essentially, uh, if you're watching on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Gallant says, this is another angle of it from TikTok. 
where you see a bunch of security essentially run him down. And then eventually they they beat the shit out of him. But afterwards, there was a there was a pause. I guess both Jamie Foxx and Chris Rock came on stage and we got this moment, which was fantastic. Was that Will Smith? That's incredible. Was that Will Smith? Good job by Chris Rock. A subtle way to get back at Will Smith for that moment in time, which I can't believe happened still. But you got to see what this fucker looked like on his way out. And Vanessa, on Vanessa and Galan earlier today, on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5, was showing that she has double-jointed elbows. Well, this guy now also has a uh, double-jointed elbow, and a uh, good God, this is pretty gruesome. Pretty good. Look at that! Oh, God! Look at that! That is violent! I mean, that is essentially Gary Payton Jr. Ugh! But good job by the security getting in the way. I'm wondering what's going to happen going forward because you've now seen Will Smith slap Chris Rock in the middle of the Oscars. You've seen a person rush the stage who had a knife. It was a knife blade that was also a replica handgun. So somehow this guy brought this in to the event and decided to rush the stage. Why? I don't know. No reasoning has been given. Some 23-year-old who decided to do it. But that takes place, and I know there's all sorts of think pieces out today, like, oh, is this the death of comedy on some sides of things? And others say, like, Dave Chappelle got what was coming to him for anti, uh, for transphobic comments. But I'm just wondering, okay, like, what, what happens going forward here? It's pretty fucked up to, to think as a stand-up comic that someone actually might do something like this to you, especially when you are as big-time as Dave Chappelle. If that could happen to Dave Chappelle, what could theoretically happen to you? That's a bummer. I mean, you're going to these things to laugh, aren't you? He's not a politician. So that's the sort of thing that you see potentially happen to, like, an, 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 assa uh, to an assassination attempt that would happen to a politician or something like that. Anyway, uh, one last topic before we hit the road. Have we learned nothing from the pandemic? I saw this post in the New York Post. NASA to launch naked pictures of human to space in hope of attracting aliens. What? Sending nudes. Okay. NASA scientists plan to launch pictures of naked humans into space in the hope of luring aliens to us. The depictions will also include an invitation to respond should an intelligent alien race find the space nudes. Fortunately, the hypothetical aliens shouldn't be too shocked by the unsolicited nudes. Actually, they should be, and technically, we could be canceled for sending them unsolicited nudes. We're sending them dick pics? No one wants a dick pic or a hooch pic. The pictures aren't graphic photographs of naked humans, but a drawing of a naked man and a woman next to a depiction of DNA. The man and the woman are waving in an attempt to look more inviting. NASA scientists reveal the image in a study that's part of the project called Beacon in the Galaxy, which is trying to send a message to any alien civilizations that could be out there. And that's where we pause. Why the fuck would we do that? What are you thinking? Why are you trying to get the attention of possibly intelligent life that would have the ability to perhaps find us? Have we learned nothing from the pandemic? Forget the fact that these people might show up, excuse me, these aliens might show up on our planet, ray gun the shit out of all of us, destroy the planet, take all our resources, etc. 
shouldn't we just learn from history? So imagine two worlds are meeting one another for the first time. Let's say the old world meeting the new world. Hispaniola, October 1492. Christopher Columbus builds a town. And there's like 60,000 natives that are there. Possibly as many as 8 million. At least 60,000 to 8 million people. Literally 50 years later, the population of Taino natives went from 60,000 to 8 million to 500. Plagues, smallpox, influenza, other viruses. Why would we want aliens to come to our planet and potentially bringing things that are not from this world that could potentially kill all of us? One little piece of invasive bacteria could just murder our entire planet. Why would we want these fuckers here? And that's just if they were to be friendly, folks. They're going to get us all sick. What happens if they're not only unfriendly, but they're also carrying diseases? You know, it's funny. If you've ever watched or read the book, War of the Worlds, watch the Tom Cruise version of the movie as well. Like the aliens from Mars die because they're exposed to human bacteria. Like that's ultimately what kills them, which is kind of funny because there's no... There's no things that can stop them. But like, why, why wouldn't that potentially happen to us? Like, let's at least learn from history, huh? Or, I don't know, a pandemic that literally just happened. Scientists, sometimes you guys are fucking stupid. Anyway, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Galant Says podcast, available live exclusively on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galant Says, but also available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Thank you so much for tuning in. So long, farewell, and have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday.